When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Hi, we're here for another film study. Uh, today with... Nick Blevins joins us to talk about a, a topic a lot of people don't want to hear about right now, Nick. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We'll talk about John Harbaugh, why I think he actually is a great coach, which I'm sure there's mixed feelings on that, like there always is. But with the loss fresh on our minds, some minds may be changed right now. I don't know. How, so we've talked about this a little bit in our production meeting, but how are you taking this loss? Where, where does this stand among the worst ever? Uh, I was with you, you know, I listen to your podcast all the time and, and you talked about that 2006 playoff loss to the Colts. That was the worst one for me. And I don't, you, I don't know if you've mentioned this, but for me, part of the sting of that loss was that it was the bears in the Super Bowl, And I feel like the Ravens would have just whipped the bears. You know what I mean? If we could have got there, but uh, I would say in a, like in a vacuum, this one was worse because I probably had even higher expectations for this team than that one. The only thing that helps make it a little better is the future looks so bright. And I don't know that I felt that in 2006. The defense was amazing. That future looked bright. Offense was kind of a question mark. 
mm-hmm. uh, back then. So that's probably the only thing that takes some of the sting off. But these are definitely the top two for me. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. That t- 2006 game was a was a truly horrible one. I think people know my feelings on the matter. I'm with you though. There there appears to be still a window of a year or two here to win a Super Bowl with Lamar on his rookie deal still. And obviously the the offense has never looked brighter in terms of how they're assembled. I think there are problems on the defense. I'd encourage people to listen to the last podcast on the defensive evaluation, roster evaluation at the end of the year. Uh, take a listen to that or go to the article online. Appreciate it if you would do that. But Nick, the time is yours here now. I want you to talk a little bit about John Harbaugh and take us through your, th- your thoughts on him and not react as you would like. Sure thing. And this kind of came out of that uh, episode you had done with Ken Zalas, one of your normal weekly things. And he had a chance to kind of riff, you know, he's a little bit known for not loving Harbaugh as much. And I kind of joked on Twitter, let me talk about some reasons why I think he's a great head coach and every head coach has his weakness. But my favorite thing probably about Harbaugh is that he's, I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great leader. I think that's something that's um, not even, it's a little shortchanged in the NFL. A lot of times you're looking for that hot offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, like you like the play calls and the designs and, and all of those things. But I think the thing I would want most is a great leader, somebody that empowers other people to do all the other things, you know, in the organization. And I just, he knows his players and, you know, individually. And there's even some leadership things I'd say about him that probably rub fans the wrong way, right? Like in press conferences and he won't let people compare. He hates those comparison questions. You ever see that? And of course the media even knows that now, but I think he understands that when you compare, you know, something loses. And so as a leader, he doesn't want to talk about that. Every now and then we'll see him kind of throw a player. I wouldn't say he'd throw him under the bus, but you'll, he'll call him out a little bit publicly in a press conference, but that's rare, right? Usually he won't tell you the truth of what he feels about a player or a circumstance because he's, you know, he's a good leader. He doesn't want to uh, undercut a player like that. So I, that's probably my favorite thing about him. Um, yeah, what do you think? What are your thoughts? That, from a communication standpoint, you definitely see a lot of truth in what you're saying there. For, for one thing, I always make the point that I don't need John Harbaugh to tell me the truth. In fact, it's part of the reason I don't always go to the press conferences. I usually do, but but oftentimes I find myself not recording very much information there because I know there's a lot of coach speak, particularly during camp, when there's competition and what's going on. Unbelievably surrounding injuries. I learned fairly on, early on, don't don't ask injury-related questions. You just get, you know, a spew of venom back. Uh, I understand that. He, he doesn't want to give away information, and he shouldn't want to. And as a Ravens fan, I certainly... I really appreciate the fact that he doesn't do that. But, uh, you know, some of it does come out, and you're right. He, you, you mentioned also the fact that he'll often call out a player. He's he's, a, he's a, certainly a coach that's known for having something of a doghouse. Do you think that has a, a an other side to it that's positive? Uh, yeah, I guess there probably is a positive side to that. He has expectations, you know, and, and, and he wants them to be met, and they're high. And it's kind of like you can see even from afar as a fan – you can see doghouse, John. Sometimes it feels like a media member is getting put in the doghouse when they ask a question the wrong way. And then you can also see um, how much he'll praise and encourage and support a player, right, who's doing the right things and showing up and all that kind of stuff. So you do see both sides of it. I think a lot of fans don't like the doghouse because they feel like, at least in the past, there's been good players who are a little bit of a character or maybe mm-hmm. have some other flaws. And because of that, you know, they wouldn't mesh with Harbaugh, but you know, I just prefer that honestly. So I'm okay with that. You know, I don't want a doghouse from a coach that's like petty and it's emotional and not for real. But if, Hey, if you're not meeting the bar and he's going to let you know that, and that means you're not playing, I think that's okay. I think everybody wants that in the end. Cause you want the best players on the field. 
Right. Well, they've, they've definitely made moves in recent years. The big one this year, cutting a third-year player, Tim Williams, who was not meeting expectations. And, you know, it had to be pretty significant because it was a position of significant weakness when they made the cut. Yeah, I was shocked by that. And I'm probably like every other fan, too. You'd see Tim with that speed off the edge, and you'd think, well, he's going to put it together. Like, there's going to be a point where he does that consistently, and especially a year like this year where we need it so bad. But it was a reminder that he doesn't he, – he will let players develop for sure. I mean, we've seen that with edge rushers before. But there's a point where the frustration isn't worth it for him. And we don't know, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but that's a good example of when he's, you know, made a leadership call. Some people like it. Some don't. Yeah, that's really true. You know, obviously the press doesn't see anything in terms of practice during the season to speak of. There's about a 30-minute portion of non-11-on-11 kind of activities that can be even viewed. But it's it's a interesting point that I always try and project back from playing time and whatnot to think about what might this mean about practice habits. And the guy this year was Ben Powers, who did, wasn't, didn't seem to be getting a chance. And then in the last game of the season, you know, played against Pittsburgh and played very well. So the question really came back is, well, what was wrong the whole year? And it came out after the year there was apparently some kind of a thumb injury he'd been working through was part of the problem. And I think the the other significant part of the problem was they wanted to have a center and a guard tackle so they could make only one change on the offensive line had there been an injury. So they didn't have to move Bozeman from left guard to center in order to support a move to restructure the line in, in the case of an injury. Yeah, and I get that, and that seems like the smart move. I, too, was wanting to see Ben all year. I mean, even the quote preseason, we talked about like stealing a man's soul or something like that. Like Everybody yeah. wanted to see him play and see how well he could do. It was good to see him uh, in the Pittsburgh game. Hopefully he's not taking Yonda's spot next year, but I'd still love to see him more somewhere. Right. I, I, I certainly hope that, too. It's, it, it appears he may be groomed. I don't want to take us too far off track here. I want you to kind of go through your points about Harbaugh. We, I think we agree on the on the leadership yeah. point and some of the angles from the doghouse, but please continue. I think, and this could kind of be seen like leadership, too, but I like how he creates a culture intentionally. You know, and a lot of that you see with uh, some phrases, memorable quotes. Some of them are corny. Like, I remember mm-hmm. having the um, the cup from the game I went to in 2013 after the Super Bowl year. And the phrase was, here we are. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that it was corny, but I I think it was kind of like, hey, we were on the mountaintop. We know everybody's coming for us. Here we are. We're ready. But I mean, I remember Mark Andrews this year quoting Harbaugh saying, when the stakes get higher, the focus gets narrower. We're all used to hearing stack days, uh, get 1% better. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Like these are all like Harbaugh phrases. Some of them he, he, you know, carried on like you know play like a raven that he didn't create and i just think he's good at kind of creating that culture that team culture that people understand that players understand so they know what it means you know to be a raven and then hopefully you know free agents want to be a part of and again i think it goes back to kind of setting a bar of like this is how we do things here and he seems pretty intentional about that there doesn't seem to be any you know he just lets it happen you know what i mean yeah, they've, 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 he's definitely is very measured what he does communication wise with his own team. And I, I, you know, I worked for a mission statement guy for many years, and it was something where changes to mission statement. If 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 you have a con- nice consistent mission statement, it's great. Okay, then you can live it. And, and our, our the motto at our company was uh, res- respect people, make money, and have fun. Okay, and that's a mission statement I can get behind, and if it, particularly if it stays the stays the same for a long period of time. But when we have then thirteen parameters that are subparameters that, and all, I, I I start to lose the message, and and I, I really don't want it changed once per year 
either. I, yeah, I think what's true. what's been good about Harbaugh is he he created a some catchphrases that the players can use that keep the team unified in outward interview uh, communications. You mentioned Andrews using his phrase. That's a that's a you know that's exactly what he's hoping will happen. Is he's yeah. making it easier for the players to communicate through the media. Yeah, definitely. He's hoping too that they actually do it, right? Like that Mark Andrews focus <laughs> does get, you know, narrower and they does get one percent better each day and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that's something, you know, that he's been really good at. And then something else that's been obviously, you know, front and center this year is analytics. He's really embraced analytics and you know football is a game of strategy i think that's one reason why i actually love it so much there's so much going on there's so much strategy in the game with so many players moving and you know this year he's known for that right i think pff voted him coach of the year and a large part of that was because of uh, his decisions with analytics there's something called the edge sports uh, critical call index he was number one in that for them and so and we've heard about you know their uh, analytics guy daniel stern uh, Yale graduate and what mm-hmm. behavioral economics or something like that. Right. And I, I, I love listening to your fourth down podcast to get a little more understanding of it. I feel like I'm a math guy until I get around real, real math people. You know what I mean? Like I had to take <laughs> calculus a few times in college to get through it. But uh, so I don't understand all of it, but I'm for it. Like, I, I like that. Uh, I love right. that he loves analytics. Yeah. I, I there's, I, you, you do meet different types of people and some people really feel insulted or dismissive of math. And I really can't tell the difference always. It's like if somebody who's insulted by, but when you talk to them that way, maybe thinking you're talking down to them and they tend to be dismissive. Other people will say, look, that's 1% of the, 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 the thing, or they may think of it that way. Yeah. I, 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 what it, a longtime coach who I do not believe is personally a top analyst. What it's what he's willing to do is he's willing to delegate more of his own authority away to a third person. So obviously they've had some demonstrable success with this. They've you know they've 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 done well with it now for for at least one year here. He had Matt Weiss doing it before as another Yale guy. So they they uh, uh, you know he's basically saying I'm going to allow a headset elf to make the decision for me. In terms of a guy who's up in the up in a in a box and is working with a set of models in order to do it, and I don't have to completely understand it, but most of the time I'm going to go with their judgment about this. And we talked about how this thing would usually come down, but you know it would normally come down as uh, the in the best way it can be done. That analytics guy is providing the coach with a break-even probability that he needs to succeed on the thing in order for for the for the play to be a good decision. So for instance, going for it on fourth and one, he may need a 70% chance of success. The, the, the analytics guy would would be on the headset loop. He'd say something like, coach, we're looking at 70% on this fourth and one. If it's higher than that, we should go, kind of thing. And that's that allows Harbaugh then to still be in control of that decision. That's why I think that can work. And Harbaugh says Analytics aren't the only thing we do, but it's a more significant thing we do. And particularly after that Kansas City game, he was able to explain why they'd gone for the two-point conversions all the time and all the all the fourth and ones or fourth and shorts uh, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, the Kansas City game, too, is an example of where, uh, like, I know, again, fans probably didn't love some of that. If you remember the press conference, he was, like, mm-hmm. bold. It was like, I am not moving. This is what we're doing. I don't want to hear your you know complaints about why we went for it. And again, that's not something fans are always going to like. I like that he's a leader and he's you know confident in his decision. He always reevaluate. You know that seems like it's always part of who he is. But you know I like that he 
embraces analytics. And I also think and these two kind of go together, but he's always seemed like he's aggressive. That's something else I've liked about him. Like I don't want the kind of coach that's passive or always coaching for like worst case scenario or just not to lose like that kind of thing. And I don't, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I feel like most of us fans, um, unless you're really, you know, into it and tracking it and data and logic and all that, you kind of forget the times that he is aggressive and goes for it and we get it and we win. Mm-hmm. And boy, you remember the times we don't, you know what I mean? That's what we do as fans. And I like that he's aggressive, even though some of those aggressive moments that don't go right stick out in our mind. Uh, that's another reason, you know, I think he's a good coach. Yeah, they're they're very high leverage plays, and, and you know, anytime you go for it on fourth and one, if you make it, it's fantastic, or you can lead to a touchdown, and and maybe you do forget about it. The the one I remember is the one he didn't do, and that was Christmas night in in 2016 in the Immaculate Extension game when mm. they, they they lost their playoff spot, but but they had a third and one at the ten yard line. Uzcheck broke through with, with, to score with 118 to go, and you can see behind trailing the play, Dupree actually once he had the first down is like I'm going to let him go. And and uh, makes no effort to to make the tackle and Ustrek rolled into the end zone. It really should have been in the huddle that they wanted to to take that ball down to the one yard line or the one foot yard or the one inch line at that point. Um, but uh, obviously they didn't have that they didn't have that prepared at that point. But anyway, I, I I've loved what's happened this year. I've all the fourth downs. I, I'm completely behind. He says the analytics people even tell me to go for it more, and he's right. They sh- they really should. There's an interesting index. Now, you seem like you know a lot of these already, which is great. I, I maybe need to get some links from you, but there's a cowardice index they have on punts. Have you seen that one? Oh, that's funny. I have not, but that's yes. a funny way to call it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's quite good. Anyway, let's, yeah. let's uh, continue on. Yeah, one more note about that. Again, I'd have to look this up. I heard this somewhere, but somewhere they noted that I think it was the Ravens added 83 points on 14 drives this year with fourth down conversions. And that's just tremendous. Now, you might have got three, right? So maybe you'd end up, I don't know, maybe a lot of them you kick a field goal and so you end up with 30 or 40. But to add so many points on drives because you went forward and forth and you got it, I mean, that, that's just tremendous. And sometimes you don't remember. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, somebody mentioned the Niners game where, you know, we had the ball with the lead and we went forward on fourth and one on our own 44, I think they said. Mm-hmm. And the Niners never got the ball again. And you kind of you you remember the win, but you don't exactly remember like, man, that was a gutsy call. You know, so I like that about him for sure. I'd say uh, probably my the the last point I think of is just that he's willing to adapt. I mean, gosh, things change fast in the NFL between rules and injuries and, uh, how, you know, play designs and schemes and all that. And he just seems like he's adapted, you know, over the years. I mean, you think of Harbaugh in the beginning as hard nosed. Lots of guys in the doghouse, right? You know what I mean? And now you think of him as uh, relatable. I mean, guys will even talk about him as a player's coach, um, all that kind of stuff, even adapting with the analytics. That's just something that I think you need, you know, for longevity. Mm-hmm. And he seems like he has that, which I appreciate. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a, that's a good one. One of the things that, the, that happened to the Ravens a lot this year, they had a lot of quarterback hits. Quarterback hits and um, – uh, Roughing the passer penalties are closely related. And the Ravens led the league in roughing the passer this year. And I was thinking, you know, that's something that they need to try and figure out how to clean up. Well, it's it, first of all, it is partly a natural consequence of the, of the quarterback hits. But second of all, the way they were called this year just seemed very difficult to me. Like, like mm-hmm. uh, punitive, Random. overly punitive. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, 
and, and yeah, and there was there were certainly a, a number that that just didn't meet the definition. We had a separate podcast where somebody was looking up the legal, you know, is it lawyer who was looking up the the actual rules definition of roughing the passer? Because you know, all I know about roughing the passer, frankly, is what I know by example. You know, I've seen well, that's roughing the passer because he took, took took two steps. Well, I don't know if that's what the rule says. I just yeah, know that that's yeah. how they they call it the pass. Exactly. Well, anyway, Harbaugh's comment on the matter was that the Ravens needed to get used to the way the game was being called today. And that's the right way to approach that. It really is in terms of, of if you're going to stop it, try and figure out how they're doing it now and try and coach to that. Yeah, exactly. And and the other thing I love about him, too, is, you know, behind the scenes, if he really disagrees with it, he's working hard with whatever channels he can to get it changed. Like he'll do both. He, you know, he'll pursue both things. He'll adapt because he can't change it. But if he if he can, he'll try to. And so I like that, too. And so, yeah, I think that's something that's been critical for him. And even in some ways, I mean, even just the last two years, adapting to Lamar in midseason, changing the offense, the entire offseason around him, like we really haven't seen in some ways before. All of that is just going to extend his longevity and, again, put the Ravens in great positions. So that's something else that I think uh, is a credit to him and one reason I'm glad he's here. And it's football, man. It's sometimes the best players don't win, the best teams don't win, the best coaches don't win. Um, you know, it doesn't always translate to Super Bowl wins. But I think he's a great coach. I'm glad he's here. I also like longevity. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want anybody that's bad just for longevity's sake, but to be as good as he is – uh, even when, you know, the, what, two years ago, even partway into last year when people were kind of calling for him in his seat, I was like, nah, I think I, I want to keep him. To me, it just seems like the odds of getting a better coach are pretty low. Right. So, I don't know. You're, sure. you're, start, you're starting over. And, I, you know, I grew up with the Orioles and Earl Weaver in town. And he was there for, you know, what was it, I guess, from eight, 68 to 82. And there was never any question about him getting fired. It was, it was never, never really even came up. During the entire time, I and mean, there were there were points made about him that he was a push button manager. They called him at one point, and that you know, there's never a question of whether his measure, you know, the way he managed a game or or uh, you know what he was doing to control a pitching staff was wrong. It was just it was, you know, he was he was there. He was always there. I guess the Dodgers had Walt Alston for a lot of years, and and uh, you know Joe Torre lasted a long time, and Bobby Cox with the. Uh, with the Braves. But anyway, I, I think the, the NFL teams, which have had coaches for a long time, generally have, have done it because they've been successful. So Tomlin's been around for a long time. And yeah. 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 And there's, there's like a mix too of like they've been successful, but there's been some patience. I mean, how many fans, mm-hmm. Steeler fans, were calling for Tomlin's head the last Every few year. years when, yeah. yeah, when they've been like eight and eight? And, you know, I, I obviously I'm biased. I think Harbaugh's a better coach, but Tomlin's pretty good. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, again, what are the chances you're going to go get a better coach? Maybe. You know, maybe, but maybe not. You know, it seems like there's, I don't even know, but it seems like there's five that don't make it for every one that does, and, and that might be generous. You know what right. I mean? That might be generous. So yeah, you're, I'm glad it, we it, have them. That's true, Nick. I mean, if you look at all of the coaches in history and line up their records by number of games over 500, the number of coaches with winning records is only about a third of NFL coaches in the history of the game. It's not, it's not you might think it'd be close to half, but the, since the losing coaches only coach three or five or seven games mm-hmm. often, they don't con- yeah. they don't contribute much into in terms of a negative record. While there's you know guys that are a hundred games over five hundred, and they obviously have yeah. to be balanced out. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So yeah, that's what I think. I'm sh- I'd love to hear you know people on social media and the com- you know in comments and things like that what they say because it seems it, obviously this year has been so good, and mm-hmm. even last year getting the playoffs again. 
the tide seemed to have changed. I don't know if this fresh loss is going to change minds, but there was a point last year where it felt like half the people, you know, wanted Harbaugh gone, mm-hmm. and I uh, just, I just wasn't one of them. Yeah, I sure certainly was a time after fifteen. I mean, the the uh, the way it's gone anyway. It just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy after seventeen as well, right? When they lost the playoffs yeah. on the on the fourth oh, and twelve, boy, a lot of people. Yep. Yeah, those are painful moments, and it's like. You know, as a fan, you wish it didn't even come down to that. There's years where it's like, man, if we could have just won that easier game against that worst team, this wouldn't even have mattered as much, you know. Um, I just – and that's probably why I'm interested. I'm just so excited about the future. I feel like he has done a lot as sometimes with major gaps in, in the roster, you know, offensive, mm-hmm. just how poor, average or below average this unit has been for a long time. So I'm excited to see, you know, this young offense and maybe build up the defense more and see what's to come. Yeah. I said, well, definitely a defensive rebuild is needed. Nick, appreciate having you on. We'll find out in the next week. I guess tomorrow, Harbaugh will be coaching the Pro Bowl with pretty much the entire Ravens team bus <laughs> down there, actually team plane uh, down there. But uh, but anyway, I guess it's a week from tonight. We're, we're recording this on Saturday night that he'll be actually the award will be given out for uh, uh, for coach of the year. He's already won a BBWAA. No, that's Baseball Writers of America, the Football Writers Award. <laughs> He's won already. Yeah. 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 There's part of me that wants him to win again. You know, I, I think he's a great coach, but there's part of me that wants him to win it just for the last 12 years too. You know, remember I was at Mike <laughs> Smith of the Falcons that won his first year. And, uh, cause I think they may have had a better record or something like that. Like it, a lot of times it is that nowadays it's the hot new upcoming coach that does something <laughs> great. And so guys like John just don't, don't get a lot of chances, <laughs> you know, cause they've right. just, even Bill Belichick, you just done it for years. You're just kind of like, Oh yeah, they're always good. And they kind of get overlooked, so we'll yeah. see. Well, fair enough, Nick. Pleasure having you on. Uh, where are you, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Ravens Nick. Yep. Okay, fantastic, Nick, and uh, he's a great follow. Make sure you get in communication. Obviously, you know this is a, a very rational, level-headed guy who loves to talk football. I'm sure he'd be happy to happy to hear from you, Nick. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time on Film Study. Thanks, Ken. Sports for fans by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. 
While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get everything for your next roofing project at Menards. Your roof is the first line of defense against the elements. Owens Corning Shingles are designed to offer long-lasting performance while providing ultimate protection. They have a limited lifetime warranty and up to a 130-mile-per-hour wind warranty. Choose from over 40 options designed to protect your home for years to come. Save big on Shingles at Menards. And don't forget to check out our weekly ad on Menards.com. Save big. 